Well, the, the focus for uh, this entire month flows from an acronym, B-L-E-S-S, BLESS. I want to say a huge thank you to all of our location pastors and all of our teaching team being able to catch up online, which is something we all should do, you know. Bible says if you've got ears, hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. Let's hear what he's saying to the church in this hour. And I've been able to catch it. Um, I've, I've watched what's been online, and I've been really inspired. I want to say a huge thank you to all the team that's carried uh, the, the load of the ministry in this past month. Because it's a celebration of what Jesus has called every one of his followers to do. Be on mission. Live sent. You know, in the 1980s, we were leading Youth Alive. There were crazy, heady days. And I've shared with you recently that uh, discovery we made that in, those era, in that era, those years that uh, followed, 320,000 first-time decisions of teenagers for Jesus Christ happened. And, and it's amazing. I know some of you in this room and some of you in, in other locations today, you came to Jesus through that ministry. It was really cool. And we did some stuff which now, looking back on it, was a little bit quirky, a bit daggy. We, uh, we'd produce T-shirts. I remember one of them in the, in the mid-'80s. We used to have this T-shirt that, that Youth Alive kids would wear. I'm on a mission from God. Direct from the movie, Blues Brothers. Uh, powerful movie. Um, and, and we were walking around, we're on a mission from God. But, you know, I, I think it was awesome, but I just don't know how many of us knew what that really meant. And I'm not convinced all of us knew what we really should do on a mission from God. That's why this series is really, really helpful. I was spending time in devotions just in the last week or so and just had this moment. It was heaven just opened up to me just a beautiful and simple understanding. The Lord took me. I was sitting in the driver's seat of my car and I was on a journey. And I felt the Holy Spirit said, look in the rearview mirror. And I looked in the rearview mirror and I saw a pandemic. They said, look at the windshield. And I looked forward and there was rain on the windshield. I felt the Holy Spirit said, what's past is past. And I want you to look at the future through the rain of heaven that's coming upon his people right now. And I sense this rain of heaven. I sense that we're not in flood range yet, so let's not be confused. But I do sense those beautiful, refreshing rains of heaven, those little sprinkle drops that start before a flood rain. And I felt it was really encouraging because I do sense revival coming to our land. Lynn and I got a phone call via a friend and said... Um, And he mentioned the name, and and we knew the name. This man's a prophet. And I was with Pastor Steve Murrell. Some of you remember Steve. Such an inspirational man. He and the ministry that leads in the last few years has planted 550 churches in some of the most dangerous nations of the world. And Steve and I and Lynn, we're in Nashville, and Steve says, I've just had had a text and and a phone call from my friend, needs to make sure that you can meet him this afternoon because he wants to pray for you and he has a word for you. And Lynn went, uh-oh. 
Because this guy is a serious prophet. Not one of those, hey, little people, God loves you guys. But this is like, boom, cut through. And so we walked humbly and tenderly. I dealt with all the sin in my life before I went into his room. Hey, I'd been on holidays. Give me a break. And so I went into the room and, and we, we sat down. And this man, I think God sometimes just shows you how clear and how interested he is in you. He began, this word of the Lord, he actually described the personalities of all five of our grandchildren. He's never met them. We've not talked to him about them. Began to speak over our lives, our family. Began to speak over the movement we lead and the nation that we're called to lead in this season. And he specifically, over and over and over, began to declare the prophetic power of God and the latter reign of the Spirit of God upon this church called Hope Center. I sense it. And I'm very excited about it and I'm very encouraged by it. I still believe we're in a season of renewal and refreshing. We're not yet in revival as we want it to be. But I felt as I began to unpack this blessed series and I began to reflect on what God is saying to our church and and to our movement and to our nation, I felt the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart and said that revival does not exempt you from the Great Commission. Many of us are believing for and praying for a move of God. But let me tell you what God is looking for. He's looking for a move of us. It's not awe. This is something that's been strong in my heart recently. The tyranny of the awe and the power of the and. Is it, is it mercy or is it the Holy Spirit? Is it, is it, is it signs and wonders or is it, is it kindness? No, no, no. It's all of the above. Is, is it, is it revival of the Spirit of God pouring out upon His people or is it blessed? It's all. It's and. It's and. It's and. We serve a God of the and. And I do sense the reign of God, but I don't want us to misunderstand His instructions. You do know what His instructions are. It's actually not hard. To understand it, because there's only two letters in it. G-O. You can look it up in the original text. It means go. It means it means go. We call it the Great Commission, and perhaps some of us have forgotten our assignment. Perhaps some of us have dismissed it or become so discouraged we've just not pursued it any further. But this moment in our lives, this moment in our church, God is bringing back to us the power of living sent. It's a beautiful thing. We're all sent, regardless of your age, regardless of your spiritual gifts, and regardless of your personality. I've listened to our team preach online, and I'm so glad that they haven't said, oh, this is only for extroverts, so the rest of you relax. No, no, no. This isn't, just, this isn't just for the young people who are still fired up in the youth group. No, no, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus said, peace be with you. Who's grateful for that? The peace of God in this crazy world. We can all do with greater doses of it. He, he speaks peace before he says this. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now that's in John, and I know there's other books in the Bible after that. Did he then give us any exemptions from there right through to the maps? The answer is no. 
We've all been called to go. And I'm committed to this thought. In a world that's so divided, you and I are called to be bridge builders. There, there are so many lines of separation, so many areas where, where we as a society are divided. You name it, politically, race, gender, sexual preference, you name it. On and on and on it goes and it's all done in the name of equality. But the more we call for equality, the more divided we seem to become. And in the midst of it, God is not calling you and I to choose sides and to be line drawers, but arm openers and build bridges to the hearts of people as ambassadors for Christ. Somebody in every location say amen. That's what we're called to be. It's the mandate on this house. In just two weeks' time, Lynn and I will celebrate 23 years since we arrived to lead this church. 23 years. And from the moment we arrived, we've carried a mandate. We've carried a mandate from Isaiah 58. This is what God spoke to us, and this is what I believe is still a responsibility of us, not God. God brings revival. We action the Great Commission. This is what he said. Isaiah 58, 12. If you've only recently visited our church, this mandate has not changed. We've been a little distracted at times. We've been a little tired at times, but it's still been there and the fire is burning. Hear it. Isaiah 58, 12. Your people. Oh, hang on. God didn't say, I'll do this. Your people. Look sideways, so that's you. Then say back to them, and it's you too, buddy. Your people. We'll rebuild the ancient ruins and we'll raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called a repairer of broken walls and a restorer of streets to dwell in. I believe you and I are people that should walk out daily as we pray, your kingdom come. You king, majestic king, let your light and your love flow in us and through us and help us bring hope and healing to a broken world. And that become a reality, every one of us needs to understand that we've been sent to serve others. Putting hands and feet on our prayers. Oh God, your kingdom come. And Jesus didn't just tell us to do it, he showed us how. The Apostle Paul celebrates it. It's beautiful in Philippians chapter 2, one of my favourite passages in the New Testament. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility. Say humility. Are you ready for this? Value others above yourselves. In a world where the word I is extremely common, this is how we should live. This is what it looks like, living sent. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of, say that next word with me, others. Others. You've probably heard the story of when uh, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, who, by the way, is the grandfather of the person that planted this church. Interesting fact. He was an old, old man who was meant to speak at, at a great convention of the gathering of the Salvation Army, and he was just too sick. And so he sent a telegram. 
And they thought, I wonder what our general, the founder of this great group of churches, is going to say to us. His telegram to all of the leaders that were part of the Salvation Army back in those days had one word on it. Others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What a world would we live in if that was our theme. Who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, here's a big line, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, of a servant being made in human likeness. Bless is an acronym. B L E. SS. We've got two S's. It's a backup in case I mess this one up. We've got another one next week. The first of the S's is we're here to serve. We want to bring the kingdom. Want to see the majestic and glorious reign of our God, where the knowledge of the glory of God is filling the earth. You know, one of the things that is needed for his church to become more humble and commit to serving others in the name of our King. Serve. read a quote recently by that great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, one of my heroes. Love reading his his material, and uh, I'm inspired by his life. He made this statement, one of the greatest preachers of his day, if not the greatest. This is what he said. I am not seeking to be great, but really useful. He knew what it meant to live sent. Can you just imagine, just imagine with me for a moment. Imagine a world with practical care and love for each other was elevated. Could you imagine that? What, what kind of neighbourhood would you be living in? What kind of communities would we be part of if we actually, the Church of Jesus Christ, took serious what Paul told us to do in reflection and in response to the example of Jesus Christ? I'm, I'm actually convinced that everyone that has received the grace of Jesus in their life, really wants others to experience it. I'm convinced we do. I've never met anybody yet who says, I don't want to see my family come to Christ. I've never met anybody that has never uh, wanted to see their neighbourhood somehow experience the goodness and kindness of God. I've never met any reasonable-minded believer that doesn't want to see others experience the grace of God. Amazing grace. That's what it is. That saved wretches like us. We want others to experience it. The problem is that in our journey with him, we're somehow no longer on mission with him. And there's a renewal in our hearts and there's a rekindling of that fire for us to get back on mission. So I want you to relax. Logan, relax. Morton? Redlands, Ipswich, relax. Everybody relax. Brisbane, relax. I'm not here to beat you up. My mission today is not to bombard you with statistics on what small proportion of the church ever win people for Christ. That's not what I'm here to do today. I'm here to encourage you to be salt and light in a hurting, broken world. In a dark society, you and I can be a light. 
But I'm not an extrovert. Hey, lights aren't loud. In fact, an, loud lights annoy me. No, no, no. No, no. But we've got to be who we are. We've got to fulfill our mission by just being salt and light in the earth. So my, my simple assignment is to allow the Holy Spirit to do a renewing work in our hearts so that what matters to God matters to us and we can actually practically work it out. So let's quickly deal with some roadblocks that prevent that. Because I, I think the value of winning the lost, I think helping your community, being salt and light, I say that and everybody's nodding, yes, yes, yes. But the problem is there are things that inhibit that. So let's go there today. Here's roadblock number one. We're just simply overwhelmed by the challenge. When we, we hear the call of Jesus to go into all the world, I don't know about you, it just seems too big. I, I, I've, I've never had a real burden for Uzbekistan, right? Sudan. God loves everybody there, but I just don't have a sense of call. People said, I thought you were called to missions. I am. I'm, I'm called to lead a church that will actually do what it can across the planet. Pray, give, and go. But for me, my mission, I've, I've always, all my life since I became a follower of Jesus, felt that I am a responsible person called to be a missionary to this nation. I've got to play my part as a global Christian, no doubt. But going into all the world, I, I, I go to missions conferences, I speak at them, and, and I look at people that are serving in Thailand and Vietnam and in Kenya, and I, I'm so impressed with them, I'm impacted with them. I met a man last week that's planted eight churches in the Ukraine since the war started. And there's nothing in me that says, I want to be you. But I thank God for you. Talk about laying aside comfortable Western Christianity. Amazing. Thank God for that. But I see and read the call of Jesus to go into the world. The world seems just way, way too big for me. And possibly for you, it seems just too big a challenge. Let's face the fact, not even every one of us owns a passport. God said, go into all the world. Yeah, well, how will we do that? Let me tell you how we're going to do that. Is if every one of us takes responsibility for the area where we're planted or called. That way the whole church can go into the world. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. The promise of Jesus just prior to returning back to the Father. He said, I'm going to give you a fresh work of the Holy Spirit. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, how many are grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit? Oh, come on. Let's stay be being filled with the Holy Ghost. Let's pray in the Spirit every day of our life. Let's rely on the enabling power of the Spirit of God. He says, you know what? That's not just for you to have, have special little buzzy moments in your devotion life. That's not just for you to sit on a hill and, you know, in some lotus position. This is not for you just to have great Sunday services, all of which might be okay. But let me tell you the a great reason for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is that we can be a witness to the goodness and grace of God in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the world. So let's unpack that. The Spirit of God has been given us firstly to reach our Jerusalem. Your Jerusalem could be Logan. It could be Ipswich. Your Jerusalem could be a university. 
a neighborhood. You see, sometimes we dismiss the Great Commission because it's just too big, and so therefore we tap out. But I feel the Holy Spirit say, don't tap out, lean in to what I'm saying to you. I want to fill you again with the Holy Ghost so that you burn with, with a fire for God and a passion for souls. Let's start with our Jerusalem. Let's reach our Jerusalem by serving it in Jesus' name. Years ago, I was at a conference. I was a, a young preacher at a, a movement. We were called the Assemblies of God then. And I remember hearing a preacher tell the most remarkable story. I've never forgotten it. He had a massive church in the U.S., church of somewhere around eight or 10,000 people. And he had a friend who had a small country church somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. And his friend invited him to come down and spend a few days with him. And he arrived. Just after his Sunday service, he, he drove out to meet his friend and he arrived on the Sunday afternoon and he said, oh, I've got a radio show I'm going to do tonight. So the city preacher accompanied the country pastor and they went to this little tiny radio studio which only had a fairly weak signal and didn't reach too far beyond that local community. So they went into the studio and the city preacher sat in the corner as the country pastor did his thing. And the country pastor, when the light went on, said, you're on air. He opened with these words, hello, world. The city pastor began to laugh hysterically. They went home that night and over coffee, the city pastor said, my friend, I, I, I just couldn't help but laugh when you greeted this small community with hello, world. Is it the world? And the country pastor adjusted his thinking. He said, you don't understand, do you? This is my world. This is my world. So maybe just for a moment so we can actually take this overwhelming concept of, I, I don't know what I can do for other nations. Well, you can pray and you can give for a start. Not every one of us is called to go. But we're called to our Jerusalem, to our world. Let's start with our world and maybe God will expand your capacity and one day you'll go to the world. But let's, let's, let's not dismiss the Great Commission because it's just too hard and it's just too big. Let's go into our world in Jesus' name. I've got a question for you today. Where is your world? Who's, who's that world that maybe only you can reach? Your school? Workplace? University? Neighbourhood? Family? Where do you want to end? Those people that you ride on the same bus every week. You see them, you smile, you don't even know their name yet. But let's, let's just start serving our world. I was with my dear friends a few years ago, Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle, pioneers of the C3 movement, beautiful people. I remember after I preached a session, Chris got up and, and she shared her heart. And I, I will never forget the one line she put out. It so impacted my soul. She said, a lot of you are praying for miracles. How many are believing for miracles? She said, as I reflect, most miracles start with a simple question. How can I help you? How can I help you? How can I serve you in Jesus' name? That's where the miracle starts. That's where the kingdom comes. Lord, help us. Perhaps we should start our day every day with a simple prayer. Lord, 
Help me see my world your way. My way, my world, your way. And, and, and Lord, show me the opportunities that I have to serve it. Let me tell you what it looks like for me. I serve my older neighbours by mowing their footpath. Nearly every week. They don't even speak very good English. But he says to me, you good neighbour. You good neighbour. <laughs> it's something simple. And by the way, I, sadly, we didn't connect properly. They were going to come to the carols last year. I think they'll come this year. But serve before I ask. Smile. You know, for some of you, I don't know what to do. Well, start smiling. Give your face permission to reflect what your heart knows. Hey, hey, if you get on a lift, smile. They'll think you're up to something. I, 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 I don't know how many times. Usually I sign off on a text or a conversation with this line. Have a good day. I said that to a person at, a, at an airline desk the other day, and they were, I was like, because I know they get hammered a lot. And somebody say, that was awesome. Have a good day. It's just this, this simple, little, tiny things. Live with your head on swivel. We get so focused, don't we? So focused. How about we just take a little moment to look around? Because in those moments, we may see what the Father sees. Here's the second reason that I think we've somehow taken an exit ramp from the Great Commission. We're intimidated by the mission. Have you, have you ever read Matthew 25 and felt ridiculously guilty? It's that moment where Jesus says there's coming a time where there's going to be a separation of the sheep and the goats and that separation's going to come by, did, did you clothe me when I was naked? Did you feed me when I was hungry? Did you help the poor? Did you visit me in prison? And we can look at that as going, oh God, I, I, I don't know anyone in prison. And I haven't recently, thankfully, seen anyone naked. I, I don't know what to do. Let me tell you something. I want us to flip this. Because you do know people that are poor. Every one of you knows somebody who's poor. Poor in spirit. Their relationships are smashed. There's carnage through their family. They've got a void in their heart that no booze, no adventure, no career is filling. And you know what? Deep down, a lot of them are just lonely people. They are poor. They're poor. Do we have an opportunity in moments like Help Day to, to serve the physically poor? Yes, we do. But every day, there are people in your world that are poor that you can serve. Maybe it just starts by being their friend. Serving them by inviting them to lunch and you paying. Bring a small gift. The Bible actually says, I like how Solomon put this, he says, your gift makes room for you. Growing up as a, as a sort of a mature, immature young believer, I thought, oh, your spiritual gift. You know, if you've got a gift of prophecy or music or preaching, that gift will make room for you and great opportunities will come. The word gift means bribe. When you come and give somebody a physical gift, they're going to like you. 
They're going to open their heart to you just a little bit. So maybe it's time for us to get into the bribery business and start start showing people the kindness of God in Jesus' name. That person who's poor at your workplace, that's moaning and groaning that they're hungover yet again, they're poor people. You do know people that are imprisoned. So many people in your world are trapped. Trapped by stuff, trapped by pain. Then I were picked up at an airport recently, and our driver was a follower of Jesus. And he began to tell us his story. It was so impacting. He shared the fact that he and his wife had just had a baby born into their family, and we celebrated with them. In fact, it was his first job since the new baby was born, and we were quite honoured to be driving with him. And then he took a deep breath and he said, yes, he said, uh, this is a miracle because we've been through a very, very painful season. He and his wife have lost three babies late term to miscarriage. Three in a row. Over five years or so. And I said, how painful is that? He said, words can't describe. And I said, what have you discovered in that journey yourself? He said, I discovered this. Clichés are useless. And he said, but I've discovered the power and the effectiveness of what he called the ministry of just turning up. Say, just turning up. How can I serve some people that are in pain right now? How can I serve some people that have been through grief right now? Just turn up. What I have to say? Nothing. Just turn up. Salt and light aren't noisy, but they make a difference. Come on, how can I serve that person that's in pain? Just turn up and be there. I remember in my life in some seasons where I've been through some challenges, I don't remember a lot of things people said, but I remember that person that sat quietly and just listened. It's one of the L's that we've been talking about lately. Yeah, we need to listen to God and he'll speak to us and show us. But you know what? Some of us need to learn to listen, not just respond to people. Because all of us, deep down, we want to be a fixer. and We're going to fix people. You know the way that the fixing happens? We shut up and we let the Spirit of God that binds up broken hearts and sets captive free do his work. Just, just serve by being there. Well, the naked, well, you work that out. Starts with simple acts of charity. I was just looking at this passage last night and I felt the Holy Spirit said, we've all got wardrobes full of clothes we don't use. Maybe we can just be more charitable. It's simple, really. Here's the third thought. I think one of the reasons... Some of us have ceased to live sent is we've been distracted by life. Living sent demands that we live intentionally. We spoke earlier from the book of Philippians chapter 2, how Jesus gave us an incredible example. Last night while I was reading that passage over and over, the Lord just put a light on one line. It says of Jesus, listen to this. He made himself a servant. 
don't know about you, but there are some whoa moments in Scripture. For me, that was a brand new one. He made himself a servant. Listen, it was a choice. Not enough people heard that. I said it was a choice. This is the Son of God that could call 10,000 angels to get him off a cross. This is the one who could have lorded over everybody, but he chose not to lord over but to serve all. He made himself. It was a choice. Let me tell you about choices. Choices create habits and habits create lifestyles. Let's start with a choice. I'm going to choose to be a servant. Today I choose to serve others. See, the, the problem for modern man is that we've filled our life up with so many things. And we don't have the margin to be obedient to Scripture. Some of us don't even have enough margin to get into the house enough. We don't have enough margin to have a devotional life, let alone serve this. Maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit speaking to some of us today and saying, how about a reset? How about we start making some choices where our priorities are outworked through our lifestyle? We choose. I love you and I want to see you experience the fullness of the life, the abundant life that Jesus has for you, not just the eternal life that we somehow might take hold of. Fully living for Jesus, fully living out Jesus in our lives, but we've got to make some choices to make some priorities. It seems in a modern life we've replaced choices with excuses. We excuse ourselves because we're so busy. I tell our staff a lot, don't use that B word on me. Don't say, oh, I'd love to, but I'm so busy. I say, don't say I'm so busy, say I'm disorganised. I don't have the discipline in my life to prioritise things that matter to God. I don't have the discipline in my life to prioritize others above myself. Come on, let's let the Holy Spirit reset and bubble to the surface some priorities so that we can actually get on with the Great Commission. Hmm. Maybe it's time for us to action the E. I don't know who spoke in every location, but I heard Pastor Luke, who actually has a ministry of eating, uh, it's a spiritual gift. <laughs> e is e, could just Have you noticed how many passages in the scripture are in red? See, Jesus spoke in red. And so many passages in the gospel actually happen over a meal table. Things happen when we open our mouth and share food. Something happens in our heart. And maybe in our busy lifestyle, we need to be less busy so that we can be more intentional I'm just having a meal with somebody once a week, once a month. Lynn's been not even really knowing what we were sharing today. She's just been on me, just saying, I really feel that God's speaking to my heart. It's time for us to have more people into our home and, 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 and just spend time getting to know each other and sharing and encouraging. Now, it's easy for me to say, oh, Lynn, I lead a big church, I lead a big movement. I'm the man. <laughs> so busy. We had recently a, a couple that we've known for, it must be close to 30 years, not yet followers of Jesus. We just had them into our home, we had a meal. 
was a special and rich time. They didn't bow their knees and declare the lordship of Christ, but they, the husband got my book. He's reading it. Sneak up on them. The last page in the book has got the sinner's prayer. <laughs> Have this book. Just serve. Just serve. In 1968, two psychologists, Dali and Latane, proposed a theory called the bystander effect. This theory came out of real life and often tragic situations and the observations they made as well as some controlled experiments. Here's their big thought. If a single individual is asked to complete a task alone, the sense of responsibility will be strong and there will no doubt be a positive response. However, if a group is required to complete the task, each individual in the group will have a weaker sense of responsibility, will often shrink back in the face of difficulties or responsibilities. In other words, if I think it's someone else's job, no one's going to do it. And in a world where there's over 2 billion followers of Jesus, it's a big group. We'll let the pastors do it. We'll let the young people do it. We'll let the extroverts do it. No, 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 no. We take responsibility. I don't just want that banner to hang there aimlessly off each of our buildings and our programs because people matter. People do matter to God. And we have an opportunity while we walk this earth to serve them in Jesus' name. Oh, I need to tell you, not everyone's ready to hear our message. In fact, most won't hear it until they see it. How will they see it? We serve them in practical ways, in simple ways, whenever we can, in Jesus' name. I don't want to be a church that's gripped with the bystander effect. Help day, let others do it. Serving that others do it. Let me tell you the Great Commission, how it starts. Straight from the thought of Isaiah chapter 6. I believe living sin starts with a prayer that says, Here am I. And it ends with, Where are they? Where are those that need to see the love and light and power of God? Where are they? How can I serve them? In Jesus' name. It carries intentionality. I am available to serve others. And today across every location, I'm going to ask you to stand. We are, as followers of Christ, incredibly blessed to be given the responsibility as ambassadors for him. And today I'm going to ask you, wherever you are, friends online, people in every location, people in this room, open your hands to God. And I wonder how many people need to simply whisper to the Lord, I take responsibility today for my world.
I wonder how many of us need to say, God, open my eyes because I'm ready to see what you see. I've been a little blinded by stuff. Perhaps the word should be selfishness. Been too busy. But open my eyes. Because, Father, I want you to deal with every distraction in my life that prevents me being intentionally on mission. Whisper to him. As I took time preparing what we were going to share today, the Holy Spirit was working in my heart, dealing with the excuses, dealing a death blow to the distractions in my life. Go into all your world and live the gospel. Whisper to the Lord what today is meant for you. Whisper to him. Right now, whisper to him because I'm going to pray over you. I pray the grace of God upon you. I pray that the example of Jesus would so burn in your heart and be so real in your life. Pray the Holy Spirit would afresh empower you and that you would step into that realm of living. where there's this confidence that in every day and on every opportunity you're living sent. Father, I pray over your beautiful people today. I pray over this house, Lord, that has a mandate upon it. Lord, we don't just leave it to others. Lord, we accept our personal responsibility for our world today. Show us how to serve others in a way that brings honour and glory to your name. While heads about in every location, as location pastors prepare to join me. I wonder how many in each room across this Hope Center ministry today need to say, you've been talking to me. I'm somebody, you talk about feeling captured and imprisoned. That's me. By my past, by my mistakes. And today there's something inside me that says, I need to get right with God. Well, here's the good news. Today is your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day He wants to break the chains that that hold you down to your past and the regrets of your mistakes. He wants to set you free. Can somebody say amen? Today is your day. And I want to pray for every person in Ipswich and in Redlands, in Morton and in Logan that says, I'm ready. I want to pray for every person online and in this room that says, I'm ready today. Let God do a new work in my heart. Forgive me, set me free and live a life that literally celebrates His extravagant love for me. If I'm talking to you today, you know it because your heart's just beating a little different. You're ready to say yes. And I want to pray for you right where you stand. Location pastors are going to know how and tell you how we can, can encourage you more. But this is your moment, your moment alone. That's you. Would you raise your hand right now on every side and say, I'm ready to get right with God. I haven't done it before. It was so long ago that I need to get right with God. Raise it up. You know you need to. Just say, yes, that's me today. That's me today. In every location and online, if God is speaking to you, raise your hand. With that hand you raise, place it upon your heart right now. Because I speak the love of God. And I pray that you would know His acceptance and His forgiveness in your life that sets you free. May you move from this moment into the fullness that God has for you. And I pray that from this very day, you'd live aware of his love and also his love for people that he can show through you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.